When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN is back meeting the group chat to help you process and laugh at all the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics, and we have plenty of processing and laughing to do. <laughs> I am Amanda Duberman, the news director at Betches. I am Elise Morales, the recently returned writer of the Betches Up newsletter. And I'm Millie Tamaras, the also recently returned sub video contributor. Uh, we are back. We are back. I would love to do a quick time off debrief. You both were off and had really novel experiences, I'm sure, in their own rights. Elise, I was really, you were really out there on the ocean after she said, I be know. careful, but you made it. You made it. I, we, we made it. You know, I think that the ocean's target is a little bit higher of a tax bracket than mm-hmm. even my wonderful cruise was. Mm-hmm. I think it left us alone. I think the ocean realized like this was a special vacation for the people on board, the valiant lady, mm-hmm. and not people who are just toying around in the ocean for fun. I did see just an enormous amount of luxury yachts while mm-hmm. I was there, and um, I I feared for them. I'm not like I wasn't that worried, but I was like, what if I see an orca attack a yacht in this time? Because we yeah. were. All over the Mediterranean in Spain, that's where they were. They they got a yacht in Spain during the mm-hmm. time that we were there. So I was They're like, still going. These, these orcas are out here. And here's something that I, I will say that my sister and I both took note of. Some of the fonts that are being used on people's yachts to like <laughs> say the name just really goes to show that money cannot buy you class. No, absolutely. It absolutely cannot. They probably went to 303 Creative for that. It's well. yes, <laughs> and not if they're gay, but no. it's like some of these fonts. I I found them to be shocking. The <laughs> to put the loopy wedding font that's already out <laughs> mm-hmm. on your billion dollar yacht. Okay, to have papyrus. What's the names? What were some of the names? Oh, the names. There were some good ones. Well, one that stuck out to us because it really shocked us to our core was there was this one that was very beautiful called the lady Laura. Okay. And the fonts were fine. Okay. Good fonts. But okay. So the back of the boat, you see the ship, it says lady Laura, totally normal, but not in the middle. 
kind of off to the side, they had put this weird LL to make it look like the Louis Vuitton logo, but it was Mm. the LL for Lady Laura, but it wasn't centered. Like it was really improperly centered. And me and my sister truly stared at this boat for so long. And we were like, what was the thought process behind this? You have, you have a billionaire's boat. This is a million dollar yacht. And we're going to have off center logos and decals mm-hmm. going like on. a like a janky charm bracelet but yeah, on your million was, dollar yacht yeah and it was like this tacky like fake louis vuitton logo for the lady lara and it was off center <laughs> i love how that that's it that's the line you know what i hope the orcas go over go after that one that's what i'm saying that. is i am saying like if any orcas are listening please take this yacht down it is offensive to abomination me. There was one called Willow that I thought got it exactly right. Classic font, backlit, perfectly done. I I like for the yacht to have a little bit of like an old timey, like I want to see a little bit of a wood motif on it type of a thing. I know that it's new, but I want it to look a little old. Yeah, you want the yacht to be in on the joke. Yeah. I thought Willow did it quite well, but I was just really shocked by some of the font decisions that were being made on these yachts. And I was like, you're really going to buy a yacht that is this many millions of dollars and then just slap some comic sans on there and call it a day. Well, my favorite part of you recapping is that you did visit multiple European countries. And came back pissed about fonts. Nothing about the food. Listen, that means your nervous system has regulated and that your biggest complaint coming back is an off-center charm bracelet on a boat. Millie, tell Mm -hmm. us about your – you also had quite an eventful experience. Super eventful. Again, we – Existential even. Yes. I was in Orlando. Then I went to South Florida with the plans to go to the Bahamas. Um, My phone broke as I was coordinating the decorator to – I was going to decorate the bridal suite. So that was stressful. And um, that's the most stressful thing I think anyone's ever experienced. Oh, my God. (laughs) One of them. But (laughs) we did go on a boat. My friend's dad took us on a boat to a sandbar in Miami and just going to say boat names and fonts. I totally get you on that, Elise. (laughs) There was a lot going on in a South Florida. Lots and lots of Trump signs. Mm, Um, There is a boat for sale with two Trump flags on it. That's gorgeous. You're not doing good, dog. You're not doing good. You're selling this boat with Trump 1 2020 Mm -hmm. on it. Like, come on. Uh, Delulu, as they say on TikTok. (laughs) Um, then the bride had lost her passport. No. So we had to cancel our trip to the Bahamas the night before. No. So we spent more time in South Florida. Still without a phone. Still without a phone. I was fucking pulling a 007 James Bond, talking into my watch, <laughs> texting through my watch uh, like a 007 phone. I couldn't even... Didn't even want to post that I had. First of all, couldn't even log into anything because you need. I have two-factor yeah. authentication, and you need a code on Facebook. So I couldn't log into Facebook, and I was on Twitter desktop finding out about the Xi'an factory. You trips. know, I'm wondering, Millie, would that experience have been any seamless, more seamless for you had you subscribed to the universe of Apple products? You know. I will not respond to that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, look at me eating my fucking hat. But I will say, I will say, I will say, I will say, 
I, uh, you know, got a replacement phone, right? Okay. But that God. hasn't come yet. Okay. Oh but because the lovely, because I did do a fucking post about my, yeah. you know, fandom in, in uh, Android land, I did get the new Motorola you Razor did. a week before <laughs> no it way. came out. And that's yours? So, and that is what I'm using right now. This is mine. They sent it to nice. Mary Tamaris, the new Razor phone. Wow, boop, bravo. Boop, 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 boop. Wow. I can take it. Just a in the nick of time. Just, you- no, I got it before. I was like, oh. I got it way before I went on the trip. And I was like, shit, I should have brought it. I could have gotten this replaced. But, yeah. you know, uh, like the great philosopher Alanis Morissette says, you live, you learn. So, <laughs> uh-huh. Isn't it ironic that when your phone breaks on vacation? So it sounds like you need a vacation from your vacation. Oh, absolutely. Because one of the vacation days included our mom, my mom crashing and hanging out with us all day. So it was fun. It's material. It's Mm -hmm. material. My lips got sunburned. I'm doing, I'm doing. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you all are back. And as we both discussed, I will be officially moving to your borough soon. I can't wait. Yes. Amanda's coming to Brooklyn. I got to get out of my my terrible neighborhood. I I I love Manhattan, but I'm very very excited to have some new places to you really to explore. I just got to say, for the people who may not understand, where Amanda lives, she's I made a bad down choice. The median age by fifty years because <laughs> it is. You know, no cap, it, no joke, absolutely. And and I'm telling you, when people who are obsessed with working, like the silent generation. These motherfuckers, that's who Amanda's neighbors are. Absolutely. Every time I get in the elevator, it is definitely the first time that that octogenarian has had a conversation the whole day. <laughs> and I'm like trying really? to be in a rush, but I also want to be a dick. And that's also how it is at the grocery store. And the thing is, and I've told you this, Millie, because you, you've worked at the similar grocery store. The people that work at the grocery store where all the old people go are very um, patient and kind and also acknowledge their clientele. Like that might be the first conversation they've had all day. So you're just in line forever. But I am... Very excited to be bro hopping. I sent you guys that um, Sarah Barry Ellis Instagram post where she just has the very melodramatic <laughs> caption. That's that's probably going to be me um, at the beginning because yes. it sounds crazy to people that don't live here, but it is a big change. But it is a change that we we definitely need. It's a change, me and Elisa. I don't think oh, I I've lived in Brooklyn over ten years. Yeah, I've I lived in Brooklyn the whole time. I never. Yeah, I nobody never leaves. Nobody goes different. to Brooklyn and then comes back to Manhattan. So, well, <laughs> you know, and you, pretty soon you'll be living our lifestyle, Amanda. Yeah. Um. Uh. Are feuding with a, with a tattoo artist on Instagram DMs and having a kiddie pool garden. You know? Absolutely. Oh, I can't. Well, you'll be joining. You'll have to write me a guide. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. 
They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash fever dream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash fever dream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash fever dream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. All right. I think we have unfortunately belabored the news of the day long enough. Uh, Today's number is 10 because that is just our level of rage with the Supreme Court. And, you know, if you're new to this podcast, if you're listening because you were like, saw what was happening in the Supreme Court, it was like, what the fuck? I I need to listen to those ladies that are also always asking me to listen to their podcast, what they have to say about it. Normally we have, you know, various uh, somewhat distinct segments. But today, uh, you know, today's segments, much like the days during July 4th week, have really just collapsed onto one another. It's our men okay. Uh, The main news begs the question, are men okay? We have plenty of women's wrongs and our dissents from the three female uh, liberal justices on the Supreme Court. We have plenty of women's rights. Republican, so we'll just, can you not? Oh, God. Republican, you not? It's all happening. Unfortunately, it is all happening. After handing down, there were a few opinions, remember, that made some gullible court watchers wonder if the United States Supreme Court was taking a more moderate turn. After that, the six justices threw several prominent aspects of American life into chaos with three decisions, or should I say deliverables for their billionaire benefactors, <laughs> yeah. that will disproportionately impact marginalized people. Those decisions at the end of last week, throughout Thursday and Friday, they gutted affirmative action, allowed certain businesses to discriminate against people as long as their God said so, and cast a fatal blow to President Biden's first attempt to cancel student loans for 43 million Americans. So before we get into all of these and the specifics, at least just wondering when you looked at your phone on the Mediterranean <laughs> Sea. It's actually, see, it's actually discrimination so is back happened. and fuck your $10,000. <laughs> It's truly so sad because I really did do like a news detox. And also like when you're sailing out on the sea, the Wi-Fi was not always like amazing. So I was I was really like detoxing from the phone in a very nice way. Friday specifically was a day where we were sailing. So again, like Wi-Fi not super strong. My sister and I decided that was the day we were going to use the spa that's on board the ship. So we had a little bit of a spa day. I went in all the the hot pools, the cold pools, the sauna, the steam room, the salt <laughs> room. Glowing. We were You're as glowing. calm as possible. Yeah, You're I glowing. covered myself in mud, washed the mud off. Get out. I look at my phone, and oh, it's no. literally all of the, 
<laughs> it was truly that, like, my entire, I was like, okay, oh, Instagram is actually updating. Let me see what's up. And it's literally all just those, like, Washington Post bulletins. Yeah. It's like, Supreme Court strikes down affirmative action. Supreme Court rules in favor of Baker, gay Baker. I, or anti-gay. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting there's the anti-gay web designer. Absolutely. There's the Baker. They're friends. I, uh, I'm They're neighbors, sure actually. They, yeah. Wow. Um, well, either way, I get I get confused with all my bad decisions, but it it truly like I was like, oh, and student loans, and I was just like, oh, awesome. It was breathless. <laughs> it was breathless. It was so crazy, and it was also me realizing that like this happened on Friday, mm-hmm. so I'm like, oh, the moment I get back on the pod, it's gonna be like a high octane episode. There's no oh, like yeah. dipping toes back into being like, oh. It was like, we're back. The news is really bad. Get ready for Monday's newsletter. Get ready for the podcast. Listen to everything you can to catch up, which is what like I spent the last kind of 24 hours doing. And it definitely attacked my spa day. I was pretty proud of myself that I did not text the group chat one time. I really (laughs) wanted to. to Yeah, you would have gotten it. (laughs) Talk back on my phone. Really, your POV as this was coming in. And like, it is very funny that all this happened and we will roast them. But like, this really has very real implications. Yes, it really does. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I what my what my first improv group was an all women of color improv group. And we called ourselves Affirmative Action. Oh, and there was this crazy guy. This is circa... 2014 2015 facebook um so we made a facebook page so that people can you know know when our shows are hear what's going on hear the news and circa 2015 facebook there was a man in florida that would do rants and tag at affirmative action and he (laughs) meant the law yeah and he said at affirmative action is the worst thing to happen to this country and I'm, and I just like loved like the so idea funny. of thinking that my woman of color improv group that does <laughs> shows in a basement in Manhattan Truly. is fucking ruining this country. I wonder if it was, was it Edward Bloom or Blum? No, it was someone else. But it was somebody this guy else. had no money, no, um, no yachts to take people to Kansas in. Um, but, uh, when, when I saw Supreme Court struck down affirmative action, I, obviously after my first painful, like sad reactions, I was like, yeah, to be fair, you, we haven't done a show. We in broke a up a while time. ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've yeah, been, it's, it's been okay a minute that we're since we performed. In. So <sighs> it's a matter of time before we were struck yeah. down, but yeah. I didn't want to find out like this. Absolutely. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Terrible, terrible way to find out. So. The background here, by a vote of six to three, of course, that's how all of these went, the justices ruled that the admissions programs used by UNC, University of North Carolina, and Harvard College violate the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause, which bars racial discrimination by government entities. This case stemmed from a 2019 complaint from Students for Fair Admissions that is run by that guy, Edward Bloom, whose whole thing has been, I don't like affirmative action. And they claimed that Harvard's admissions program discriminated against Asian American applicants. It was also combined eventually with a case where the same group, Students for Fair Admissions, sued UNC. UNC is a public school, uh, 
and they were like, we're subject to the Civil Rights Act, so to try to diversify their student body, uh, they didn't seek out applicants by race to get around that. They instead did so by socioeconomic status and whether that they were first generation. But I, I suppose Students for Fair Admissions was able to say, like, you're still you're still basically choosing by by race, um, even and though what, why is that, Amanda? I guess what the, does that have to do with anything? Continue. Uh huh. So, students for fair admissions use both of these cases to ask the Supreme Court to rule against race-based admissions or race-conscious admissions. They asked the court to overrule its own 2003 decision when they had ruled that race-based considerations in college admissions were necessary but might not always be. This is so strange to me. Like, I guess Sandra O'Connor wrote at the time, like, this is fine. Um, it's necessary for universities to diversify, but in 25 years, maybe let's sunset it, which always to me when they – it's like, what? that's not what they're asking you to do is come up yeah. with a timeline. Is it constitutional or, or not? So yeah. while the majority opinion says that they aren't overruling that 2003 case, that is the practical impact. I think it was kind of another thing where it was like Roberts was like, we're not, we swear. And then Clarence Thomas was like, we absolutely are doing that. <laughs> Clarence Thomas, the way he writes his dissents is so crazy because he did this in row where like he will literally like, like the majority opinion will be bad, but they'll say like, <laughs> but this doesn't mean we're going to do all this other bad stuff. And then Clarence and then Thomas be like, will be like, yes. I intend to do many more. <laughs> bad things <laughs> right he's like the toddler like in the corner when his mom's like oh no we can't do a play date that day to the mom he doesn't like once so we're like yes we can <laughs> like what yeah, clarence exactly. we're not going to ban birth control so you know we should know the supreme court has taken this up a lot uh they reverse this this case last week reversed themselves from a 2014 decision uh, in which they upheld the university of texas consideration of race and its undergraduate admissions process what was the some her name was like something fish. Abigail. Abigail. What was what Abby. was her what was her nickname? Wasn't there like it Average wasn't just Abby? It was something oh, like so yeah. corny. I thought it was just she like was dumb so, Abby like, or something. Not re 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 um, remarkable at all. She had like a whack GPA. Like it was just totally, like okay, girl. totally. So nothing has changed. All of that to say, all of that precedent to say that nothing has really changed since either of those cases other than the makeup of the Supreme Court being more willing to go in a particular direction. Unless, in, of course, racism got dramatically better in ways that only Brett, Amy, Neil, John, Samuel, and Clarence can see. And I think the odds of that are pretty low. So the gist of the majority opinion is that considering race through either like a negative or positive lens with no other context is always bad and always constitutional and to, and always unconstitutional rather. And to be clear, Harvard and UNC, like they're not putting all black students in the yes bin. There is other context. There's always other context. But the conservative justices repeatedly reiterated that schools can still consider race to the extent that the student says it influenced their character <laughs> and life experience. That sounds like kind of a pretty direct response to Something that Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson said during arguments when she kind of posed a scenario where a black student might be referencing past racial oppression that kept their ancestors from attending that college. Is that allowed to be factored in or is that a consideration of, of race? And John Roberts seemed to sort of be like, he actually wrote specifically, an applicant's discussion of how race affected his or her life, be it through discrimination, inspiration, or otherwise, is still allowed. Which to me kind of reads like, sure, go write a trauma porn essay for your admissions essay, but it's like, Okay, I guess that's the only route now to like ignore. Yeah. Acknowledge Those essays are also so humiliating, but continue. Oh, yeah. So Justice Clarence, he wrote a concurring opinion. He was admitted to Yale via race conscious admissions program in the 1970s. That's like, that's correct. He talks about that, right, Elise? Like, is that mentioned in the Slow Burn podcast? It, I actually really, in light of this, 
like ruling, I really recommend the Slow Burn podcast because it shows the way that he has both benefited from affirmative action, but also that the kind of the the allegation of affirmative action, Mm -hmm. like this idea that people tell him, which is harmful and hurtful to black students and students of color constantly being said, like, you only got in because you're black or you only got this because you're black. That's like his core wound kind of as a person. And but instead of like combating that in other ways, he decided the way that he's going to combat that is by removing those opportunities for other people so that no one can ever say that about him again or nobody can and nobody can accuse him of just being in it for his race because he's actually gonna do fucked up stuff to black people as often it as seems possible. yeah it's like a personal complex he is projecting on the country yeah he has a very personal relationship with affirmative action and even though he has benefited from affirmative action demonstrably that the fact that people can point to any of his accomplishments and say that or like try to diminish him, which actually is fucked up. Like you shouldn't diminish students of color because they were recipients of affirmative action because of as like other courts have ruled it's to correct a historical Mm -hmm. wrong, but going through that turned him into this anti-affirmative action crusader person who like, yeah, instead of wanting to take down the people who like don't see affirmative action for as valuable or for what it is, he just wanted to take down the entire institution to be like, if if I was really an affirmative action hire, would I have destroyed the entire program? And it's like, yeah. like yeah, because mm-hmm. you suck. But also, like, first of all, I know you said that his, you know, from the slow burn podcast, you learned that his mother was really nice. Hearing this, it's like reminds me of that poet on Twitter that was like, Putin, I wish I was your <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I wish I could have taken that trauma away from you. But also, I mean, and we're probably going to discuss this later, but I just don't believe that every institution is practicing affirmative action like that. You know, like that. Yeah, there are people who, you know, in my college, who were like, oh, you're only here because of affirmative action. And I'm like, I'm one of two black people in this class. <laughs> like in the in the class of 2011, I'm one of two black people. Um, I don't think that's true. <laughs> like, yeah, people aren't practicing it like as widely. There as is no think. advantage. Not, right. There's not like it's not helping people like get. I don't know. So I know we're, we have more things, but that was just my first, the first two things. I'm like, I want to be his mother. And also, <laughs> you're wrong, Clarence. Those are the things you put, you talked into the notes app on your, on your phone. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready 
in less than 30 minutes. Oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes. Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Basically, Clarence Thomas wrote that, you know, people will always be viewed in the professional world as less capable uh, with people forever assuming they only went to college where they did due to affirmative action. And then Kavanaugh also wrote a concurring opinion. I'm not sure why. I think he just wanted to say racism is bad. I'm not racist. I, I promise. All of these opinions basically just repeat that racial discrimination obviously still exists. All of them want to confirm that they acknowledge that. But that race conscious admissions were never designed to go on forever and that the government has other tools to pursue racial equality. Basically, their argument is that, um, you know, just the best way to stop discriminating is to stop discriminating in in any way. And I think the dissents are important to discuss here. So the the court's two women of color, Justices Katanji Brown-Jackson and Sonia Sotomayor, wrote the dissents here. Uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, since she was on a board at Harvard, she recused herself from that part of the case. Imagine that. Imagine that being an option. Uh, but she was able to write a dissent in the UNC one. They're like, come on, can we not follow the I know, rules? girls. It's fine. It's fine. You're not going to, it doesn't fucking matter anyway. I guess she knew she would have a chance anyway with the UNC one. But Sonia Sotomayor, she wrote that despite the majority's claim that race-conscious admissions are unconstitutional, she wrote that, quote, actually race-conscious college admissions have advanced the Constitution's guarantee of equality. All of this is basically like equality versus equity. I feel like the the sort of the most common kind of example that people see, and I don't even know if this is the most accurate or helpful one, but I feel like the way they teach it to kids is it's like, you know, imagine if like there are people of different heights and you just kicked, you know, the the stand out from underneath certain people. Like it's literally not possible for them to sort of achieve. So they are basically saying the point of the Constitution is to use it to, you know, undo the effects, as Justice Brown-Jackson wrote, of a world where laws systematically subordinated Black people and created a racial caste system. And then the kind of, like, fire quote that was posted everywhere, she said, with let them eat cake obliviousness, ugh, today the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all, but deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. So, while the conservative justice here seem to be under the misapprehension that they live in a society where colorblindness means removing any consideration of race, the liberal women justices here kind of remind us that if you want to make race irrelevant, you have to take the steps to cancel out its marginalizing effects. That's actually what makes it irrelevant. Yes. Mm -hmm. I just can't help but think of Amy Coney Barrett's like adopted children because I've just in my like 30s and yeah. living in Brooklyn and having encountered so many people. Um, and even you, if you're like curious about transracial adoptions, like hearing the effects of people who were, uh, you know, party to transracial adoptions with the idea of colorblindness, like it damages them deeply forever. I, I just think about Amy Coney. I think about our, the reality of our society. I think about how a lot of a lot of companies with 
all white C-suite employees took off for Juneteenth. Like, like there is so much fucking still present. And it's like colorblindness doesn't work. It's not true. It's not even like, you know, it's also the effects of like, when you talk to an Italian American who's 50 years old and was like, we never spoke Italian at home. Like it's all these mm-hmm. problems, these generational problems that we've tried this already of like, let's solve it by assimilation, by colorblindness. Racism doesn't exist. We all have to be one. That's not true. The point is to make things fair and, you know, make things fair and compensate for what the reality is. And that's what I really loved about, uh, Sotomayor's descent. Yeah, it it just also really reminds me of like on an interpersonal level when you like, I don't know, have a fight with somebody, somebody wrongs you or whatever, and they, you want to move past it, but their thing is like, I said, sorry, let's never talk about it again. And they just try to like, sh- and it's like, no, there's actually also a process of mm-hmm. like us having to like rebuild some stuff and like I have to be allowed to express how what you did affected me before Mm -hmm. we can move on like you don't just get to be like sorry let's move on don't talk about it anymore and that's kind of what they are wanting to do with racism is like they're not even letting colleges that want to continue the conversation do it they're like no no nobody can talk like there's no yeah it's like no we said it's not racist anymore so let's just just let's move on why do you keep bringing it up you're living in the past like Mm -hmm. and it's like no we haven't done the emotional work that is necessary to actually get to a place where you can move forward with something and I feel like I see that in interpersonal relationships and then also that's just playing out in this massive way even in the like majority opinion they kind of tried to say like this court already ended racism. They did. We, yeah, end, that. They, we did that with Brown, right? Yeah, they're like, we already ended yeah. racism with Brown. So, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. why are we talking when about the this the child now? needed armed, go- like... <sighs> yeah, did, like, they see any pictures? And also, like, <laughs> you can Read still a book. ask that woman. She fucking is still alive. She's, a six, and- she's like 68 years. That's exactly. I love when people are going, she's like 68 years old. She's 68 Bridget. years old, which is younger than most of the motherfuckers on the court. <laughs> and... Also, like, she'll tell you how fucking traumatizing it was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just like, first of all, Brown was in actually recent memory. So to be like, we ended it with Brown and we said that we could do some stuff to fix it for a couple years after. But it's like, come on, aren't we done with that? And again, it's like she the little girl is still alive. Right. So, and I think, no. yeah, Sotomayor, a lot of people clocked this that, like, on a lot of dissents, they'll write, I respectfully dissent. And this one, she just said, I dissent. Um, yeah. Because there was really nothing. And my question here is that, like, how do they know what colleges are using? Like, I, I feel like I was trying to figure out, like, do these colleges utilize a a, a point system, a, a quota system that they're going to be ch- – no, they're just like, just in case you were trying to put everybody in a – you can't, you can't. You can only you can only consider race to the effect that the student actually said that it, like, impacted their lives. But um, I know that there are going to be real implications in a lot of emboldened average Abbeys to be like, well, you're not, you're not allowed to discriminate against me, and it's going to give people an opportunity. Yeah. The thing that makes me also really sad is, you know, all of this – we haven't really named it, but it's like effects of white supremacy and that the, you know, one of the main uh, litigants or I mean, the main um, people who pushed this forward, 
using Asian American students to be the face of this is very intentional. And it's another conversation that people are having amongst like the Asian and black and, and ever, you know, the diaspora of like, are like people's role in upholding white supremacy mm-hmm. and this whole scarcity mindset and, and stuff like that, which is like, this wasn't, you know, a, a big point. It's like, they weren't using legacy admissions or like mm-hmm. if your parent bought a fucking building to, 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 cause that's discrimination too. What about if somebody yeah. didn't have family that, Can you know, admission I mean? officers be blind to that. Let's yeah. And they're not. And, and there's nothing asking them to be. And the way that I, my understanding of how admission works anyway, is that there's a board, a few, just like Kentonji was, a few people and they all vote. And there's many different aspects that, you know? Yeah. So it's like, even, cause the, the thing that people cite is that, oh, our, um, I had the GPAs and I had this, but I was white or I was Asian and they didn't let me in. When it's like, um, they also look at, who, people who started a club, who this, who that, like all these well-rounded things. And also who cares? Then I was reading, yeah, like a, it was like an article in Harvard, but basically like somebody from the emissions, you know, communications department was like, we get hundreds of thousands of applicants on an average year, 15,000 of them are fully qualified. They have the great, like that's, and we even get further down before we even start considering like race and life experience. So it's like mm-hmm. nobody that is getting into Harvard is not is, qualified. Is, and same with UNC. UNC is like the Harvard public school of the East Coast. It is so hard to get into UNC if you live in North Carolina. I didn't get into UNC. It is so like Sue. people like move. Sue, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take him down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Retroactively, um, Sue. Yeah, one thing that – well, I just think it's really interesting – to Millie's point about the way that like Asian American students were used in this case, it reminds me of how now there's kind of this part of the anti-trans movement will use women to be like, we're just trying to protect women's sports. Like, so they find these people that are actually representing patriarchy, white supremacy, et cetera. They find a marginalized face to, slap on this situation and sometimes they even take like legitimate questions or legitimate fears that that group might have and pervert them to their means like I do think you know it's going to take some time to figure out how we de-gender sports or what that means and how we make sure like women still have opportunities etc but they take that fear and they turn it into like we're going to ban trans people like Mm -hmm. they turn it into hate and with the Harvard case, there were weird things going on with how Harvard was evaluating Asian students. That's, That's actually true. true. There were they, basically they had these like personality assessments mm. and Asian students were getting ranked really low on things like what's their ability to hang out after class or like, do they see like these weird kind of nebulous things that like, honestly, Harvard shouldn't be ranking students. Like, how would you even know that really from someone like if they're like a good conversationalist or like Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So there was like grounds for Asian students to be questioning what was going on in Harvard admissions. Do I think that that should have led to the entire upending of affirmative action entirely for everyone? No, mm-hmm. but that Communist. is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
that is the way that people, these activists like an Edward Bloom can do this time and time again. Okay, I'm going to try with average Abby. She's not a good, she's actually not a good plaintiff. Where can I look? Where can I look? Oh, shit. There actually is a kernel of truth in this one very specific, actually very small portion of the population. That has nothing to do with other races. Exactly. Like, I, but I can find, I finally found my good plaintiff where like, actually we can raise some questions and I have the court and all of this stuff. And it's like, it's just a really, yeah, I feel like we see it all the time with, you know. I mean, it's part of their tactic. It it's is. part of the repeatable tactic. Yeah, they shot of, for people. They shot uh, for districts. Yeah, but it's like the 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 moral panics of the past. They always prey on some kernel of truth in these vulnerable people. My question is really quickly for the for the kid who and for the average Abby, and you know for the people who are the face of these things. Like, what do they get out of suing? Like. Cause it's not like Harvard's gonna go back and and re- and like admit them now. Like they nothing, st- they're just in the time it takes weak, like four wounded or five individuals. Years. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. But I'm like, this takes four or five years. You could have graduated from a- somewhere else already. I like, but like yeah, like just- like Ali said, they just take that really emotional wound for people of something that they were denied that they really wanted, and then they just completely completely exploit it. We'll move on to another plaintiff here, and that is Lori Smith. She is the homophobic web designer. So the court also ruled in her favor in her lawsuit against the state of Colorado. In doing so, they they basically swung the door wide open for businesses. Certain businesses, we're not really sure which ones, uh, to discriminate against individuals, which is a door we have been trying to keep shut for decades. Colorado has anti-discrimination laws that prohibit any public or private discrimination on the basis of certain trades, including sexual orientation. Lori Smith is a website designer whose portfolio included mainly ugly websites for French bulldog breeders and youth ministries. It looks like she just monetized a Canva account, like she's not talented. She claims that she desperately, desperately wanted to enter the wedding website industry. All she wanted to do was enter was make wedding websites. But she has not been able to begin doing that yet because her faith will not allow her to create websites for same-sex couples. Not a single same-sex couple has confirmed that they ever asked her to make them a wedding website. In fact, it is unclear if she's ever made a wedding website for anyone. But nonetheless, the Supreme Court bit. And we'll get back to that. There's some fuzziness. We'll get exactly, exactly. Who's who needs an outside web wedding website designer even? Why are you getting into this industry? I mean, but the Supreme Court, the Supremacist Court rather said, yes, no problem, you have standing. And they ruled that she has a First Amendment right to not be compelled by her government to say something or engage in speech about something she does not believe in. So her state law just can't force her to do that. And creating a website is a type of expressive conduct that is protected by the Constitution. The court is specifically looking at the Constitution's protections of speech here, not religion. But I I mean, obviously, her affinity for Christianity was probably very significant for the six conservative justices. I think this was just a way for them to deliver like a far-right evangelical Christian victory while saying it was about speech. So Lori Smith also, I think a lot of people have been talking about like this and the student loan one. And as you said, the affirmative action case, it's really just like, why are you even here? She (laughs) seems to be like, it's so stupid that the fuck it's embarrassing. And then the highest court in the land is like, sure, let's use our $274,000 we're paid a year to talk about this. So Lori Smith was perfectly happy, just like, you know, 
doing what she did, designing her logos and stuff. But then she met, she found Jesus and met people from the Alliance for Defending Freedom at the same time. This group is behind everything. I think they did the Hobby Lobby. They're trying to ban birth control. And around this time is, like I said, she was like, I can't even, I can't even think of, have a thought of designing a wedding website because of the terror I feel that I might be sued. So the court was happy to hear her case, even though it sounded like nobody had ever asked her to make a website. However, in some of her previous like court filings related to this, she did claim that somebody asked her to make a website. She claimed that a single, that just a, a guy named Stuart submitted a claim, submitted a request on her website with his contact information. People called that contact contact information, and that man told the press, "I was incredibly surprised, given the fact that I've been happily married to a woman for the past." 15 years. So this is a straight man who was married to a woman, said he did not make any requests. He wouldn't because he's also a designer. But Lord, this is Oh, crazy. yeah. That's the other thing that's so funny is that he is a web designer. Why the fuck would he be? He's a straight web designer who's been married for 15 years, but he contacted her to make his gay wedding website. <laughs> and Lori's lawyers are like, it doesn't matter. They literally said it's, it's irrelevant. Uh, they say whether that was a troll and not a genuine request it's irrelevant to the case. Basically, the Supreme Court, oh, I guess, is like, cool. we have to take this up whether she got a request or not, because like she wants to get this figured out before she can grace the world with her first wedding website. And they said, they said, okay. And the reason this is, this is so vague because by simply stating that anyone who engages in expressive speech doesn't have to accommodate expressions of that speech that they are uncomfortable with, what does that even mean? What does that mean? Like this, the, this is why it was also related to the baker because he was like making something. And back then they ruled like, they kind of like did a cop out and basically the Alliance for Defending Freedom, they found Lori or they paid her to love Jesus. And here we are. But it's going to beg a lot of questions like what is an expressive business? What kind of business owner is allowed to deny business on the grounds of, of speech? Uh, Justice Brown Jackson asked when this was being argued, like if there's like a mall photographer who does vintage Americana Christmas photos, like can they deny a black family because they're like that wouldn't be historically or that's not my artistic uh, vision. Like, can you deny a child whose parents aren't married a birthday cake because your religion tells you that or you just believe? I don't even know if it's religious. You just don't like the speech of saying that kids out of wedlock um, is is okay. And this is all just going to come back to the court. And sure, how often is this actually going to happen? Like, you know, I guess if you're a gay couple, you can sort of like be very wounded by that. And then I guess just like not everyone's going to decide to bring to not everybody really feels like bringing it to the Supreme Court. But we're probably just going to see a lot of this because they did leave it. They left it so open and they couldn't answer any of their own own questions. Well, it's also crazy on the one hand to be like any type of discrimination is wrong, even if it's to make a positive change right. in colleges. It is un. You should not consider these things yeah. at all. And then it's like, no, but you can discriminate if you are making a website. Like, I, it just makes no sense, especially since, like, yeah, the affirmative action opinion had there was some line. Well, there was some line that was like discrimination in all of its forms is still discrimination right. or whatever. Okay. And so I'm like, so you're going to say that. And then in the same breath, be like, but also you can discriminate against gay people for kind of any reason that you want. And as long as you're like making something, as long as it's artistic in some way, makes no sense. Right. Because there was even stuff where it's like, 
Um, if a straight person asked you to make a blank template about a undetermined wedding of two people of undetermined sex, would that be okay? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> but like, it can be anybody can claim that what they do is expressive speech. If you provide chairs for weddings, you can be like, this this stock folding chair that I ordered from, I don't know. Like anybody can say, any idiot who has time on their hands uh, can try to make a case. Yeah. And, the, you know, I think you nailed the, the, you hit the nail on the head when you were, you know, this is all just symbolic things to show, again, deliverables to their billionaire, you know, to show that like, even though the country has moved in this direction where we don't care if gay people get married or most of us, and we don't care if whatever, they still want to show deliverables saying like, no, we're going to take it back and, you know, and, and take advantage and, and, and be cutthroat, even though this wasn't even a real fucking case to begin with. And they're, they're, they're begging people, they're begging evil people with time on their hands to fucking make cases about it. And it's a joke and it's a mockery and it's a damn shame. And it's just, there's so many things out there that we could be doing to protect society and these people are this and the websites are ugly. We all know that. I don't know if we like have talked about it at length. <laughs> They're hideous. The ugliest like Microsoft Word as clip art fucking paint ass websites that again, you said monetize their Canva. <laughs> I know. And not to stereotype, not to not to yeah, not to discriminate against uh, gay people, but famously good taste. And her website is really just like ugly logos. For I know. Pitbull rescues. Like nobody. Talk nobody, about a mess of fonts. Nobody. Really <laughs> bad. Listen, fonts. and yeah. like, I just don't think she has the range. I, I went no. to a beautiful gay wedding this weekend and it was Muppet themed. And this Laura woman Smith would not have the skill to create the signature cocktail menu that was based on Muppets. The Kermy being a jalapeno uh, tequila-based cocktail. No, she and would not. The, the piggy being a watermelon mojito. This woman don't got All it. All this does for mm. her is this has basically been like a very long extended advertisement for her services to extreme homophobes in Littleton, Colorado. That is basically all she's gotten out of this. Which honestly, slay be. because they all have bad taste and they will be. Uh, seeing on the boats that I saw uh, in Miami, <laughs> yeah. um, they all have bad taste and she will be busy for a long time because her shit looks like shit and all these people. I just don't understand why you need. A, a straw hat with American flag. In, I don't know. <laughs> well, some of those boats, some of those boats were probably uh, considered small businesses, and perhaps loans to keep them afloat were forgiven, and that was okay. <laughs> However, oh, segway. She's been segway. working on her segway. She did it. <laughs> I know. I've been reading a lot of books this week and have no one to talk to about anything, so I'm feeling very, very like aggressively um, <laughs> literate today. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. 
No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. All right, so finally, we will talk about the court's decision on Biden's plan to forgive student loans. As we've discussed numerous times, the Biden administration invoked the HEROES Act to try to cancel up to $20,000 of student loans per person who made less than $125,000 a year. And most analyses showed that this relief would have overwhelmingly gone to households earning less than $75,000 a year. So when you hear a lot about, like, what about these lawyers and doctors who are going to get theirs paid off? Like, I guess so, but only if they didn't already, which probably means something else is going on with them. Like if they haven't been able to pay that back yet or they're not like why they should be making more than one. And I'm also like, okay, I'm fine having a public defender who's definitely making less than $125,000 a year having their loans forgiven. Oh, no, my doctor isn't under undue stress from horrible (laughs) loans. (laughs) Right. Oh, no, my doctor has more time to think about (laughs) medical questions. What a shame. That is so unfair. So much fucking loans. It's crazy. Have you ever talked to a doctor's loans? It's like 300,000. It's not uncommon for oh, yeah, it's, to have loans. I like don't that. know how it's they crazy. do it. So there are there are pretty good arguments that forgiving student loans. Don't worry, I'm not going the direction you think. But there are good arguments that forgiving student loans. It's kind of a blunt instrument. It's not the strongest tool to end racial socioeconomic disparities, but it's kind of the only tool that Biden really saw that he had without needing Congress. Uh, this is something that he saw he had the authority to do. It would provide immediate relief to a lot of people who need it, who literally, like as he said, can't plan for their future because not only is it you know the loans that they took out, but a lot of people have fully paid their loans back and still owe twice as much just from interest alone. But the Supreme Court, basically, their argument was just like, we don't like it. We just don't like this idea. They said this is true dramatic of a move to do for the president to do without consulting with Congress, and that the Biden administration overstepped its authority in forgiving the loans. This is despite the fact that the HEROES Act plainly states that the administration has the authority to dispense with the loans. Like when I see this, I'm like, it's their right to be paid back. Like, can't they just say, you don't have to pay us back? The Supreme Court is like, not without talking to Congress. To me, but that's they like- they did talk to Congress. Right. That's what the HEROES Act is. That's what's so fucking crazy is that it's like- Based on an act, and they're like, "You really need Congress." I haven't heard to anyone say that. That's such a good. And it's point. like, baby, they did it. So crazy. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. So Biden addressed that. I think the biggest question. I mean, this was pretty. I think we all anticipated this, but like, really, overnight, people that expected to not have to resume those payments that go up to twenty thousand dollars for some people. Um, is a huge, huge change in their life and how they can plan for their financial future. And Biden seemed to acknowledge that when he addressed the nation on Friday. He really went on the offensive. He told Americans in a statement that Republicans had, quote, snatched away, he said snatched away quite a few times, economic relief from people who thought they no longer owed the government $10,000 or up to $20,000. And as messengers for the president, he's right. And we have to reiterate that he's right. Republicans intervened long, but this never had to go to the Supreme Court. It is state level Republican officials who chose this fight. Republican officials in Missouri sued on behalf of a state loan provider. It's called Mohila. That group, Mohila, didn't want to be part of this at all. 
they were like, we're fine if we don't, they like provide loans, like we're fine if we don't get paid back. Like it's fine. But, but Missouri could still sue on their behalf and because it's, yeah, because it's associated with the state of Missouri. So state officials could say like, if this group doesn't get paid, then we don't get paid and it's going to cost us money. And the Supreme Court said, okay, yes, you have been sufficiently harmed. You have standing. There was another case with the student loan thing. It was like two students who either had already paid theirs back or theirs didn't qualify. And they were like, you should have done the public comment. They threw that away. But the Supreme Court, again, basically were like, eh, we don't think you had a right to do this. So Biden talked about a path forward and he outlined uh, three things. So one is there's going to be, he's calling this a 12-month on-ramp repayment program. So, I mean, I guess practically that means you have 12, you can keep pausing for 12 more months, uh, but it just means that the government's not going to refer you, uh, it's not going to ding your credit, it's not going to risk default, they're not going to refer you, um, you know, to collectors or anything. AOC did make a point that she would also like to hear that they're not going to let interest accrue, and that seems like something they definitely need to do. I thought that was a given. They're also going to cap maximum payments at 5% of disposable income rather than 10. So that's like, I guess, after um, housing and food and stuff, they are cutting that in half, but from still going from 0% to 5%. And it's pursuing, I think their biggest hurdle is that they're pursuing another path to canceling loans through the Higher Education Act. This is, my sense from this is that like, what I honestly think what they don't want to say is that it's going to be very hard for them to reach the full scope of what the HEROES Act path could have done to sort of just in one move get rid of 43 million people's debt. I think there's going to be a really long kind of like, you know, negotiation period and trying to figure out what the terms are. But I think what they're trying to communicate is that they understand they promised this. They understand, like, they're not giving up on it. They're going to pursue every single path and they're mostly focused on making sure it goes to people who are low income. I mean, they said that 90% of the people, their households made 75,000. That seems like pretty close to. Um, to everybody, but I'm wondering if you guys think that like was was trying and failing here better than doing nothing at all, or are you more disappointed than you would have been had he just not not tease? Not, I don't want to say tease us. Like I think, like Elise said, it's it's the it's the rogue Supreme Court that took it away. But how do you think this is going to impact Biden? I think as someone who would have gotten twenty, I have eighteen thousand yeah. um, in debt, and I. So 20 and I qualified to get up to 20,000. It's really disappointing. I mean, there was a moment, you know, right after I heard the decision where I was like, I fucking, you know, like filled out postcards to send to Pennsylvania and mm -hmm. signed up to be a poll worker and worked really hard to get the, you know, to get Biden elected. And I know a lot of other young people did because this has been such a burden and there's just no way. And I think for the past few years when this has been paused, it has allowed me to get have some imagination of like, oh, it's maybe it's not impossible if I want to purchase a condo or have savings or do that or do that, you know. So to hear to hear that, the you know, to, to, to hear this decision was extremely disappointing. I think trying and failing ultimately is better. But mm -hmm. I also feel like. You tried, you failed, but you also tried with already doing like so many compromises. So it's like, you know, which is the the argument about, you know, incrementalism versus, uh, you know, progressive and, and radicalism is that like these people are whatever concessions, you know, Biden did all of that in order to make it more palatable. And these people still don't fucking like it. And Something that, you know, somebody mentioned on Twitter the other day was just like, 
So what is the purpose of government now? Like, what is the point of us having more of a majority? Is it just the only things that get passed are Republican legislation? It's what they think should get passed. Nothing that we're pushing through, you know, it's all these concessions, all these things. And it's just really, this was obviously like really frustrating. And I think the point of this was to discourage people Mm -hmm. from voting one Democrat and voting at all too. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I totally understand that. And I don't want to, you know, give up hope or anything like that. But it's just like the responses while, you know, zingy and, you know, whatever. And he's trying and all this other shit. What in a year, I'm still going to have to figure out how to, you know, if I pause this in a year, I'm still going to have to figure out how the fuck I'm going to come up with $18,000 while I'm trying to make a life and, you know, all this shit that's going on with every single industry and all this stuff. So it's it's, a response he has not given is expand the court. Yeah, he's not doing anything radical or changing or anything. It's just kind of like, oh, well, like following strictly, strictly following these rules that Republicans do not care about. And that is the frustrating thing about it. And this these are the doubts that people had progressives had and leftists had in electing Biden, that he would not be suitable for these Republicans who do not give a fuck about the rules. Look at how they got the 6-3 court in the first place. This girl, this woman died and they put her in in like a week. Biden would never do that. Ever, ever, ever. After Good previously saying you can't have put hold withholding a seat exactly from the first black president exactly withholding a seat from him because it was too close to an election, but then filling seats that were even closer to an election. I mean, it's it's outrageous, and like people know what we're seeing. I do think it is better for Biden to have tried and failed on this because I do think that people especially people who had loans who are following this, they know why these loans are not being canceled. And they're not going to, people are well aware that it's because of this extremely partisan court that no one fucking supports in this country. Their support is zilch zero. They know that Republicans are behind it. But I do think that if Biden and the Democrats don't want to see apathy and discouragement and like yeah if they don't want to see people's response be i there's no point then he needs to go big or go home in a way that joe biden does not normally do like if he's gonna do this higher education act i'm really glad that he's already like i am going to try again he needs to say we're canceling all of them yeah. With the Higher Education yeah. Act. Like, fuck the $10,000. They're yeah. coming for anything that he does, no matter what. So exactly. why? And that's mm-hmm. what Elizabeth Warren, honestly, was say, ringing that bell the whole time. She was like, we, I think you can do at least 50000 You can through, do all of it. I don't know what happened here, but he was always asked and always encouraged to do it through the Higher Education Act. I guess somebody on his team was like, this is better. And I don't, I'm not smarter than that person. But yeah, you I have, are, <laughs> you're a fucking ass when they got that shit, But there are some people, like this letter that was signed in 2021 telling him, like, use the Higher Education Act to cancel up to $50,000. Maybe because they're like, this is going to take longer. 
I think you're right. If he's going to keep fighting, he needs to say, then like, then like, fuck it. I'm going to go up to 50 and let's expand the court. That gives me a reason to like, I think people aren't going to like go vote for Trump or the Republican nominee because no, they're, they're mad enough about they're going to stay home. And that's but what dangerous. makes me go is that he's like, no, I'm going to try again. I'm going to go bigger and badder. And if they don't let me, then we're going to permanently like, we need to fix democracy and I'm willing to do it. And I haven't heard that from him with the, with the vigor that I know a lot of us want to hear. Yeah, I don't. I mean, who knows? It doesn't, it's not in his nature to do that. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, look around. Our system is broken. The judicial, the judicial branch is compromised on a level where our government cannot function. The legislative branch, frankly, is compromised on a level Mm -hmm. where our government cannot function. We Mm -hmm. cannot pass laws. Because of the fucking filibuster bullshit. We cannot, when laws are passed, there is a court in place that will just strike them down for any reason that they feel. So that's Doesn't the other thing. Doesn't even have to be real cases. No, yeah, they will literally take a hypothetical case from a lady who never had to make a website at all. For a man, a gay website for a man who's been married for 15 years to a woman. Yeah, a, a straight married designer. Yeah, just poor Stuart. Stuart must have been like, why am I in it? Like, Yeah, exactly. And if you're a new listener and you've been thinking like, I don't understand how this even happened. Am I like dumb? Do I not get this? No, this is dumb. This is yeah. crazy. This is this is out of No, control. and like, let's talk about it in the context. The big things that Biden promised, $15 minimum wage, student loan forgiveness, like abortion has got like, Come on, Mm -hmm. you know, so what what is it going to take for him to get to this level of like addressing what the fuck is going on? And giving his energy as the president behind it, because that does mean everything, because, you know, the second he was like, all right, let's expand the court, the Senate would be like, let's go. I mean, I know we can't have it now, but it can motivate people. Fucking says it. Let's say it. Acknowledge the need for it. Right. Acknowledge the lead. Like, this is crazy. These people have taken unprecedented actions to break the system. Like what Mitch McConnell did with Merrick Garland is un like unprecedented actions have been taken. <laughs> they tried to insurrect the government. Yeah, they, like, there's also that. And they like, didn't put the guy in charge of organizing it in jail. Like Exactly. So like our government is broken on an unprecedented level and it is going to require, and again, this goes back to the thing that progressives were worried about Joe Biden. It actually requires unprecedented actions mm-hmm. to... Right to combat them. And I think Joe Biden very much lives in the precedented of like, back in my day, I would walk across the aisle and we'd have a handshake and everything. It would be like, they're crazy. They would kill you. Like They they literally want to look at what they're doing to your son. Like let's fucking. That's what I was going to say. I think that's maybe that's when he's going to get mean because that stuff's going to start heating up. And then maybe if that makes him a little angrier, but Speaking of vacation, can we play like a short, short, short? Sure. Do you have any ideas? Yes, I have one. Okay. Throw us out a would you rather. Well, no, this is even more. I'm saying that because the Republicans delivered, the the supremacy court delivered so much, 
we can play Mad Libs on the vacations that their that their donors and benefactors are going to to send them on. Mm-hmm. So I say, in the sentence, they're going to insert red state, do one luxury activity, and invite one random person. That is my little Mad Libs game. So okay. so they're going to first do a luxury activity. In and then insert red state and then random other billionaire. Okay. Amy Coney Barrett. Yes. Is going to one of those islands off the Carolinas. Okay. And doing. And doing. Uh, <laughs> she's going to get on a big zip line. <laughs> yes. The most, the biggest zip line. She's going to get on a the huge biggest zip line. Zip line and signs she, no waiver. She yes, and she is going to do that with, with? Mm, Megan Kelly. Okay, this is this is That's and a good now Mad we Lib. played Supreme Court Vacation Mad Libs. What about you, Millie? Millie, I think I'm going to have to have you do this on the side, but you're going to have to brainstorm all of the categories. Yeah, <laughs> like no, three exactly. Because I would say um, uh, Linda McMahon is funding one of these subprimes. <laughs> oh, Linda McMahon court. is a good one. Yeah. So I'm Linda just McMahon. saying, I'm just saying, we can play that. Like, that's what they're doing. Because, yeah. like, Alabama um, toad hunting in a $5,000 luxury uh, stupid boat with a font with Heather MacMahon. Oh, yeah, <laughs> what a beautiful that is a beautiful game that we will try to prep for you to play with your families <laughs> tomorrow. And we will be back Thursday. We are resuming um, our normal schedule um, through through the summer. We are back. We tried to rest. Supreme Court wouldn't let us. <laughs> they wouldn't let us. They, they said no, bitches. Get back on the pod. They literally did yeah. one of them like on the day of like this doesn't matter, boohoo. But like the morning when we were like, I was like on a bus on the way to Sammy's for our batch's day out, like one high noon in, and I was like, all right, here we go. Amazing. Let's go. All right, that is our show. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Batches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.